0: I know if I was a messy shoe, seven Ballon doors, everything in world football, several hundred... Cro- I was slapping Mbappé. <laughs> fire me. <laughs> you have to take me out of the training field. Good evening, lads and ladies. It's another episode of the BTB podcast. and with my co-host, Karris and Denzel. I have also a legendary special guest as um, Ollie, who's been here a while back, if you guys remember. Um, on today's episode, we intend to talk about Arsenal versus Liverpool. Arsenal looking a bit cheeky this year, looking like title challengers. Also, Saka and Martellini and the likes of their performances going forward. What's going on for Liverpool? Is Trent Alexander-Arnold on the way out? United versus Everton, focusing on Anthony's good start and potential United analysis along the way. Erling Haaland, new goat, question mark. Chelsea versus Wolves. Any comments on that game? And groundbreaking news of Kylian Mbappe. We have to touch on that more surely. So I'll start off yeah. with a random. Arsenal Liverpool. Let me hear it. Caris go last. I know how he's going to move this episode. Hi, why? Why <laughs> last, last? I hate to hear Denzel Oli first. I'm being locked up for no
1: reason. Caris, it's it's going to be on, it's going to be unreal. Your your take, I know it. So we'll <laughs> save best or last.
2: Oh, yeah, come come. Say no more. Watching the game, yeah. I was impressed because if you remember the Arsenal-Liverpool game last season, what was the scoreline the last time they played last season? Bro, I don't know, we just get battered by them all the time. I just know that Arsenal didn't win it, whatever, yeah. But this time, <laughs> them, yeah. yeah. Um, first half was, Liverpool kind of dominated in the first half a little bit. You know, besides the flash goal from Arsenal, like the first, what, 63 seconds or whatever, there were moments where Liverpool, you know, despite their injury was and whatever, still looked like the Liverpool we have all gotten used to know over the last four or five years. They started off a bit strong, whatever, but then when Arsenal started to find their rhythm in the game, I was like, okay, this is a very different Arsenal side. You know, you had Saka and Martineni were actually, they were giving them the work. Like, they were running the wings up and down, especially Marcinelli was my man in the match, 100%. You know, he got a goal and assist. He was just, yeah, like, he was a headache for that entire Liverpool defence to handle. Um, Another standout player for me as well, I think was, like I mentioned earlier, Saka. Unreal player. You know, the fact that he's only 21 and he's this good. I had no doubts whatsoever that he was going to score that penalty. You know, some people saying, oh, like, he's going to miss, he's going to miss. I was like, nah, the whole Euro thing is behind him now. I had no doubt he was going to score. And for them to win 3-2, yeah, I think that's kind of like a statement, there that uh, they put the legal notice to say, you know what, they might not win it, but they're in that conversation and they're definitely playing in Europe next season.
0: What do you think, Oli? What's your take on that?
1: Yeah, I think it, that that's a that's a pretty sensible take, to be honest. I think Arsenal are going to be there or thereabouts this season. Um, They couldn't have found a better time to play Liverpool, though, considering, you know, like, especially with the, with the way that Arsenal have been, like, really building momentum. It was like, it's the best possible time to play a, a really struggling Liverpool team and to keep that momentum going. I think Martinelli and, you know say what you like necessarily about the goal that should have maybe been ruled out or or what have you, um, you know, because of a technicality or a loophole in VAR, um, you've got to really credit Arsenal's performances recently. They've done a very, very good job. I think Mikel Arteta's has really built a foundation um, that we've seen over the last couple of seasons. And now it's sort of starting to flower. And I think it's just, it's going to, it's going to lead to to more and more good things for, For Arsenal. Um, I I've actually been more impressed with Martinelli than Saka this season. I thought Martinelli's been absolutely an outrageous player this season. He's done a really, really good job. Um, I think we're just I think he's just getting started as well. I think he's he'll be he'll be in the conversation for maybe maybe one of the player of the season competitions, I think, by the by the end of the season. So yeah, I would say. Arsenal have done very well. Maybe a little bit fortunate on the timing of about when they played Liverpool, but ultimately, absolutely great result. And you know, uh, Arsenal in previous seasons wouldn't have won that game. So,
0: very good take, Gareth. I know you're itching for <laughs> your side.
2: Apparently, Borley wanted to bid for Martinelli as well. Thank
0: you, Denzel. God, God bless you. What's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Martinelli bid?
2: <laughs> <laughs> you will never
3: get him. Don't worry, man. Anyway, I'm Saturday today. Yeah, wearing my black and gold Arsenal kit, fam. We are repping the Arsenal nation today. Bam. We announced ourselves. We are now title ty- challenges. Like, oh, the next few seasons is long for all of you. That's what I'm saying. If Harlan <laughs> gets a long injury, if Harlan gets a long injury, yeah. I can already wow. see the Red ribbons. Hey, you're
0: wishing for a man's downpour. No, no, no. no not, not even. I'm you're saying, not that if, guy yet, then.
3: <laughs> no, 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 no. If he gets a long injury, yeah, I can see the Red ribbons already. That's all I'm saying. Do
1: you, do you think, like, do, you, do you really think that Arsenal rule a hole and injury away from the Premier League. If, yeah. it, if it gets injured, yeah, that's ah. a bold take. Very it's a bold, bold take. A post- I, I promise you, yeah, yeah.
3: yeah. we for sure, yeah. No, and also the City will win the league. To be honest, but um, we've been like easily, like us and City have been clear of the rest, basically. Like nobody else really stacks up to us two right now, so. I'm interested to see how we do when we do play them again as well. Because I remember last year as well, even when we had guys like Lacazette, we still gave them a decent game. So it'll be interesting to see how we do. But in regards to the game, amazing game. I do agree with Denzel. I think Liverpool had a lot of dominant players in the first half. I think Thiago was playing very well. Um, Then maybe like near the end of the first half, we got into it again. Um, and that's when Martin, he got that cross to the Saka to make it 2-1. And then even in the second half I feel like, you know It was basically just us Dominating the entire half To be really honest with you Like Liverpool just weren't At the races in the second half Actually um, those then, last I
2: see um, as well Where you took um, Before the penalty Like around the 82nd, 85th minute Where it was literally like Those last seven minutes of the match Were just played in their half
3: mm-hmm. Yeah, we were literally preparing their goal constantly Like we could have had A bigger margin Than just those three goals on this, Those three goals that we scored so That's kind I'm of why happy. I
1: said that, um, that actually that the goal that you scored that was a VAR loophole type thing. I'm not really that fussed about that. I think if it was a closer game, then you, there'd be more to say about that. I don't know. The scoreline was only one goal, but Arsenal played that game and they deserved to win it 100%. So I'm not Yeah, really yeah. That
3: if, if you see the, the XG and everything, it all says that we should have won that game easily. Even like a lot of stats are saying that we had like 46 or 47 touches, which is like... In their box, which is the same amount combined as the last like three seasons, which tells you how scared we were of them before. And even this game was one of their lowest XG games on the clop in the last three seasons. So it just tells you how much we stifled them. Like Salah only had one touch in the box in the entire game. So and that, Tom that's Nassi... a game, bro bro,
2: Yassu locked some up. Jesus.
3: Yeah, Salah got locked up that game. He was. I think their only good attacker was Nunez, to be honest. you
2: telling me Salah got locked
3: outside. up
1: by like, Tomiyasu? Who were you playing at left back? <laughs> <laughs> Tomiyasu's amazing because he's like he's, two-footed. He's brilliant, but like, crikey, what a downfall for Salah.
3: Yeah. yeah. Salah's not been great this season, to be honest. We need to study this whole new contract, bad performances phenomenon because it do. is true something. But I'd say another player that got very underrated other than Saka and Martinelli who I think for now are like for me they're the best wing parent in the league right now in terms of like to watch them and what they're producing Um, Ben White was very underrated in that game yeah like I thought he was outstanding defensively like he's taken to his his new right back role as if he's played there for years his passing he's
1: he's got a chance of making the World Cup now (laughs) I mean he should
3: but it's it's Southgate Southgate will probably call up Mings knowing him yeah, and play him so, at the back know. or something. Because for me, it's actually like a joke that guys like Eric Dyer getting called up for England ahead of Ben White. Like Ben White for me has been one of the best defenders in the league for the last season in a bit. Like, I know people are saying, Oh, why did you pay fifty million? This this that you've seen why we paid that for him. I think he's the, worth the, the, the money.
1: The, the question about him in, in uh, England, I think it's just Southgate really values pragmatism and and White's a Rolls Royce defender. So maybe he's he senior. Is that yeah. a Rolls Royce? That's no, Harry Maguire is not a Rolls Royce <laughs> defender. Harry Maguire is like a bulldozer, a not a Rolls Royce. Corsa, bro. <laughs> yeah, he's like a burnt-out Nissan Micra. <laughs> yeah. So, like, uh, maybe that's the reason he, he doesn't get selected so much is because, you know, he, like, he's a really classy defender, but maybe that's not what Southgate is looking for. Because
3: for me, even someone like Kyle Walker, in recent times, like... He relies so much on his recovery pace. I don't think he's the smartest of defenders at times. Like, don't get me wrong, for years he has been. For me, he's one of the best right-backs in Premier League history. But at least in recent times, I don't think he's been that good to be warranting so much protection for England and, you know, having a spot guaranteed. Like, Ben White really should be getting considered a lot lot more. So I think he's one that has shown shown up well this season.
2: Speaking of right-backs, we need to have a conversation about Trent Alexander-Arnold. When When I said it last... Season on mm. season. Reece James was better You man weren't trying to hear it Not saying you man It wasn't, wasn't you okay, man It was Karis it was Karis. <laughs> Karis said I was <laughs> a you man Look what you've done <laughs> Karis said Trent was better Karis I want an apology bro
0: Yeah Of, of all the viewers <laughs> I want an apology It's been long for Liverpool Hasn't it yeah,
2: been. Don't worry is on Sunday I'll go after forgiveness Is mine now he's better <laughs> Reece James is the best Right back in the league And I've said this for ages there's, there's, He's the complete package There's nothing he can't do
1: He's not the best right-back in the league. He's the best right-back in
2: the world. Yeah, 100%. There's, nothing, there's a reason why Real Madrid was trying to get him, and that was never going to happen.
1: But it's kind of by default, because you could say up until this season, Trent, Trent was. And if Reese James is better than him, then of course he's going to be the best one. Yeah,
0: season, season ago, yeah, you could say hot, that. Hot take, yeah. though. Reese James is a fantastic right-back. But well, him being the best right-back in uh, the world, I think the right-back position is the weakest it's been in world football. Ever.
1: That's an interesting take. Well, no. do you think? You could, no, what, no, no Danny Alves, no Philip. Lowe, yeah, no 50 50 of that. There, yeah.
0: No, no competition. There's no competition for ever.
2: No, nah, I don't agree with that because. Nah, this, just look at England. This is the first batch of Reese James. Bearing in mind, Trent Alexander Arnold was the first player ever to complete domestic football before reaching like, what, 25? He won the Premier League, Champions League, Club World Cup, Super Cup, FA Cup, Carabao Cup by the time he was like 22, 23. No player's done that prior to him. And that's a right back. all The
0: modern game, yeah. But I, I know, like, you guys know what I mean? Like a Philip Lahm, Alves vibe. Oh, I hear you. Like this bare man there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're a defender first. You get what I'm saying? You're a defender first.
1: Yeah, I think that's part of the, the the way it works with this new sort of like modern fullback role. And I think that's why as well, like a lot of people are saying that Rhys James probably is superior to Trent because, you know, we've, we've been watching Trent this season. And I don't know whether it's down to Klopp's tactics or... Or maybe just a bit of fatigue, but he's getting caught out of position so much and his defending's really poor. If I were Klopp personally, I would start playing Trent in midfield because yeah. he's not really offering anything going back. And you can stick any, any, you know, you could stick Milner there and he'll do a job defensively in in at right back. So have your mo one, arguably your most creative player in, in Alexander Arnold pl- playing in in the middle of the park, you know, spraying balls around, doing what he does.
3: The thing with someone like Trent, though, or any fullback that wants to get into midfield, though, is that you've got to have that 360 vision of know what's going on around you. I don't think Trent is someone that is positionally aware at all times, and that would be his downfall if you want to That's play true. midfield.
2: Yeah.
3: Like, he played the midfield as a youth player, but it just never, was never going to work as a senior player just because he hasn't got enough of that awareness. Probably a needs is a, uh, a decent talent, DM
1: man. behind him to like uh, to sort of like hoover anything up. Mm. Yeah, and even then Fabinho's even declined
3: as well. So like or needs a bit of rush. Klopp's tactics, sorry, Klopp's tactics is like they've got just Henderson trying to cover for him on the right, which is not really going well. They missed when they had Wine back in the day just covering for mm. any defensive errors and stuff like that. They miss him quite
1: a lot. I thought Kate they missed Kater a fair bit. Um, you know, oh yeah, where's
3: Kater like, been?
1: Didn't he go to Juve or PSG or something like, No, Keith, no he,
3: he never left. There's
2: nobody seen where he is. I think he's injured as well. I think
1: he might, he might, that, they're really missing him. Um, you know, like I don't know. It's, I know it was kind of a meme when he signed because he wasn't very good, but he's really grown into the role. And it, it's clear to see now that a lot of their injuries are really causing him to struggle. I have a bit of a theory though around Kloppen, and, and it's kind of more of a theory around managers in general. I think managers just eventually have like a natural cycle. In, in sort yes. of like the, the amount of games that they play and the amount of years they stay at a club before things start to get stale, it's hard to motivate the players things like that and then and then after that, their sort of that, their natural managerial cycle kind of comes to a close mm. when that starts to happen and I know there's a, lot of, there's a lot of idea in the managerial game about longevity but if you're actually planning for the future you actually have a good idea about how, you know, about that managerial cycle and when that manager's going to start to come back in and and not be quite as good, and maybe just maybe, say it quietly, but it might be time soon for uh, for Jurgen Klopp to move on.
0: Just to build on that, just to build up, that's a very good um, hypothesis. And I think what probably associates to, if you were to do a study, I think what would go hand in hand with that is uh, the general mentality of a footballer, no matter no matter the skill level, is gone to such a degree that the average footballer does not really have the mentality to be loyal to a manager for for X amount of years. So how many players stay for one team for 10 years now? How many players are loyal to the cause? How many players value their legacy more than the money nowadays? Not many. So longevity is very difficult. So I don't think we're ever going to see another Alex Ferguson. I think the Alex Ferguson type of managers, or even the Simeone Atletico Madrid are the last breed of managers who are going to be in a position for a prolonged period of time. Um, So yeah, I think also my take on the Liverpool um, on Arsenal, just so we can keep things rolling is, Arsenal passed my three tests for me to be a title challenger, which is consistency. Barring the Man United game, they bounce back straight away. They they probably forgotten that loss now anyway. Um, the relentlessness on a day by day, on a game by game basis. So they score one goal, the next objective, the next the next objective is the next goal after that. And the final test is they are not really phased by challenges. So Tottenham was a challenge. Liverpool was a challenge. And they went at them. They didn't care about the pedigree. They didn't care about Klopp. They just went at them. And this is just a group just of... played our game, yeah. Yeah, 24-year-old men. So I think that's... It really
1: feels like they're buying into the, um, into the vision, the players, uh, into into Arteta's vision. And I think that really, really does help.
3: Yeah, everyone's on the same page. Like, you know, when you got rid of guys like Aubameyang, who's good doing well for you guys now, People are thinking that, oh, are all the players going to like deviate? Now they're seeing that the the club captain is gone. You know, that's the star, man. Are they all going to still buy in? Everyone's bought in. We've got Gabriel Hazis now. We've got Zinchenko. All these young players have grown to even better levels. Like Martinelli, you only got for six million as well, which is crazy. Yeah. And Saka from the academy. These are players that can become potentially like world class, which is just, you know, says it all for how well Mikel Otero has done to develop them. One thing I'd ask before we move on from this last segment is, what do you think um, we need to do to become Premier League winners? Because the only people in our way is Man City right
2: now. So in terms of like signings or how it's performing in the league, what do we need to do? I think you need an elite centre-back, like a, re- like a statement signing centre-back, because I don't think Gabriel is, is it for you guys. I feel like he's the weakest link in the Arsenal 11. There's too many times where he switches off and he even saw it against Liverpool as well, to be yeah, honest. Again, like the penalty situation, it always happens. I feel like if you look at all the teams that have won the Premier League, or any team that's won the Premier League, bar Leicester, because they're like a statistical anomaly for that season, they always have an elite center back in their team. So obviously, when we had that period of dominance like 04, 05, 05, 06, we had the Terry and Carvalho partnership. You look at City, you know, they've got Ruben Diaz. They've got Emric Laporte. You know, you might even put John... I could even say John Stones in there as well. You look at Liverpool... Can you done more
3: for them this season as well. Yeah, mm. you look
2: at Liverpool and they've obviously got Van Dyke. Whereas for Arsenal, you can't look at the fence and say who their elite centre-back is. I feel like once you have that player going forward, then yeah, everything else will just naturally fall into place because you won't have to worry about your defence for another like five years.
1: I think what, what Arsenal need... And it's not necessarily anything that you can actually sort of like buy. It's, um, and what will be indicative is if you have a bit of a wobble in the middle of the season, how you respond to that is really going to say a lot about how your season is going to go forward. Because we all know the story of Arsenal where you, you start well, the fans get really hyped. And then it all is like comes crashing down and it's burning by March. <laughs> and, and Arsenal are just getting clowned on Twitter all over the place. For saying there were title challenges in September when they were like you know fifth in May, and I think it it will it will largely depend on two things. It's it's how you uh, play when like how you do when, after you have like a bit of a wobble. And if you still come back from that and you still push through and keep that consistency, that's really important. The other thing is actually, which is, I know it's a bit of a cliche of title winning teams, but it's to win when you're not playing well. Arsenal played a lot of really good football recently. They played a lot of pretty football. But I'd really like to see a dig deep kind of ugly win from them. To no, I'd add to that as well. You know, um, And then if you see that, then you know, well, these guys, you know, they really know what it takes to, to win. And so, and then from there, the mentality will just skyrocket to the moon, I think.
3: Yeah, I'm going to add to that and say, I think if I look back on our season, I know there's only been nine games so far. I'll say the Palace game and the Fulham game, I don't think we played that well. So, like, we had to dig deep both in the Palace game, where Saka got that cross that turned to her own goal, and then Fulham game, I think Gabriel got some, like, 75th minute header. So, those two games, get to dig deep. So... I do think we've got the potential to do that. But the issue is that to win the league nowadays for any of our teams, you have to get 90 plus points at a minimum. Mm. Like now it's so competitive. The way City have raised a level, even 95 points might not be enough to win the league these days. And that's crazy. So it's, it's like you have to go on like 20 game winning, 15, 20 game winning runs to have a chance of winning the league. So I think we started well winning eight out of our nine games. If things went better against United, it would be nine out of nine. So that's the sort of form you've got to be to in the league. Now, and that's just the levels.
0: It's true. Very, very good takes, man, then. So let's speak about United versus Everton. Obviously, you know, we all know what my stance will be. So I think it's best to go for the neutral fans as to what you saw from that game. More um, your analysis on the like, key players. So I'll give you some clues. So Anthony, not Anthony. Well, Anthony was good in that game. But Casemiro was a fantastic revelation that game. Yeah. He yeah. showed what he could bring to the United midfield. Um, Ronaldo scored his goal I'm not going to lie Sean I'm going to need to add my C into the chat <laughs> <laughs> the, first, <laughs> the first C of That's the seven
3: hundredth club goal as well yes. honestly
0: he deserved it he does deserve it and I also want to speak about De Gea but let's let's start slowly first so yes. what do you guys think how did that game go
2: I'm going to say uh, that if Nigeria had qualified for the World Cup this year we would have gone to quarterfinals of the former in. Being dead serious bro This guy is balling out I don't know what Lampard said to him I don't know what he's eating Maybe it's like Different recipe in the J-Rice Or like they imported The Nigerian Fanta for him But bro That strike The way he hit that
0: It's not even that bro Okot just said Perform or I'm disowning you publicly (laughs) (laughs) Perform or you're being disowned
2: Nah this season He's probably been the best Number 8 in the league this season I can't lie like he's what, probably, he's a, he's a good shout out for the there, best yeah. player outside up, the top up, six. Shaka, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, like he's been all in. And it's, it's mad because I think that player's always been him. It's just taken time to come out. Because obviously, I agree, Arsenal yeah. bought him for a reason. That Wenger saw something. And that player that Wenger saw, and I've seen that player. But yeah, and as well, I think prior to their loss, Everton had the joint best defensive record in the league, which is mad. And yeah, Cody
3: yeah, and Tarkovsky are doing well for them. I think
1: yeah. that's a bit of a fugazi, to be honest. Because uh, yeah, I think Pickford's really having a purple patch at the moment. And uh, I, I think it, it, it could quite easily go wrong.
2: I hear that. But I think as well, I think we have to give a tiny bit of credit to Lampard because when he was managing us, we were pretty decent defensively. So we weren't, ter- we weren't like, amazing. but were We getting- did let
1: in a lot of goals, especially towards the end. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, at times I would say we were defensively pretty resolute.
2: Yeah, I think he. I think Everton's a good fit for him, and if they let him stay long enough, he'll build something there. If they get him the players, so um, yeah, and obviously Casemiro finally starting a game and showing his quality because a lot of people have been doubting whether he is a good DM or whatever, and some people are saying like, oh, like you know, he's been the ride in the bench and like he's past it now. But
1: I'm surprised it took him so long to start a game.
2: Honestly, yeah, I, mean, I feel like. It's because
3: Ten Hag was saying that McTominay wasn't deserved to be dropped at the time, so that's why. Isn't
0: that the most foolish thing you've ever heard of world football? McTominay, really? <laughs> <laughs> Scott
2: McSauce? Yeah, yeah. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, I mean, he, he set up that Ronaldo goal, you know, that beautiful through ball, and he just showed the reason why he's won, what, like five Champions Leagues? Like, he's still that player, in my opinion. He's, he's definitely not finished. He can, pro- he can play at this level for at least another two years.
1: That's no coincidence either, Casemiro to Ronaldo. They've got the chemistry. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, nice to see, it's nice to see Ronaldo back in the goals again, you know, cause he's been riding the bench a little bit recently as well. I'm not entirely certain on, I, Ten Hag doesn't move me. I'll be honest. Uh, you know, I find his tactical choices a little bit strange uh, to be, to be brutally honest. And uh, you know, the other players, you know, with Man United at the moment, like, I don't know, like Anthony doesn't really move me. I think for hundred odd million euros, you've got to be getting like a really strong player, you know, who's going to, who's going to be making a difference every single week. You know, Chelsea have seen their the share of players like that who, who you know, you kind of overpay and they under-deliver. Um, I know it's early days for Anthony, so it's, you can't say really he's underdelivered, But I think I'd be expecting to see a little bit more from him soon once he's gelled in and sort of bedded down in the Prem. Yeah.
3: Before Kevin says something, I would probably disagree <laughs> a little bit. I think... For me personally, from what I was watching, and everyone knows how much I have a massive chance against United, I think that was their best performance under Ten Hag I've seen so far in terms of on the ball, in terms of possession, passing round. I saw some of those little tacticals on Twitter that were, you know, showing how they played. They played like a nice little 3-1-6 formation on the ball. So it was like three defenders at the back, Casemiro kind of holding, and then they had like basically six attackers. So it was like Ericsson, Rashford, Fernandes, Anthony. Ronaldo, they were all kind of, and I think Shaw as well, they all kind of like made a little like front six, let's say. And, you know, their passing was very fluid. I think you could see there was a plan there. For me, it reminds me of what we had under Arteta when he first started, that even though he didn't have all of the players he wanted yet, I think Ten Hag has started with a better set of players, to be fair. But yeah. even though Ten Hag hasn't got all the players he wants yet, you could see what he wants from them and you could see how United will move going forward So I think for once They've gotten the best manager they've had Since Ferguson left That's for me personally And in terms of performances I think I was impressed with Casemiro, as everyone said I was impressed with Martial Before he went off I think it's a shame mm. That he's had so many injuries But um, He's having a bit of a so renaissance
1: he... season Him and Rashford
3: Yeah, if only didn't run him Into the ground Then Martial would be fine But that's another story For another day I'm worried
0: but... about I'm very worried about Martial
3: Mm. No, Oli ran, ran him and Rashford into the ground really badly But Marshall, you could see the all-round play You could see why he was banging the goals in the pre-season Rashford played really well He has to be on the plane for me for England But Southgate is stupid Like his crossing and stuff was really good Anthony, like I'd like to see him get a bit more involved in games sometimes But his finishing has been really good so far And that's been a good thing so far So I think it's best Kevin talks most about United
0: Mm. I think I'm gonna start from the from the back. So David De Gea, I believe, has been improving very steadily on the Ten Hag So coming off the line was my biggest problem with David De Gea because a lot of the times the like attackers could literally call their wife, go for, ask for a mortgage on their way um to the goalkeeper. <laughs> but David De Gea, he, do, he doesn't rush out. But the um the game against Everton is very composed. I personally feel like he should be our captain, to be very honest. David De Gea is a very level-headed guy. That's um, too far. Sorry. Yeah, you're stretching it, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I yeah, I could let's see, let's see
1: it. it. I could see it. He's been there that's for a long time. within up the up squad. Time. I see that. I
3: see
0: the yeah, vision. David de Gea, He's too feeble. No, the, David de Gea on corners. <laughs> yeah, long day. All I'm saying is that's too. as captain. All I'm saying is the last time David de Gea was captain, he was saving goals, power strikes with his feet. That's quite, all I'm
1: saying. Quite literally, every, every single player in you the United to squad him, to be is a more suitable captain than Maguire. Every single one.
0: 100%. I'll even give Wambasaka Saka a rush out. Not the like. His distribution of the ball was fantastic and he played a very steady game. Obviously, Aorobi did expose him a little bit, but hey, it happens in football. Um, Casemiro literally reminded me why we need a, a, a CDM, especially a CDM. He embodies what if we had got Matic younger in his career, what he would have done for us. So I'm really happy with the way he performed. Good tackles, kept it very decent. Um, I believe the, the statistic was Casemiro had sixty nine passes that game. 69? yeah, sixty nine passes. Oh. And on average, um, McTominay averages around thirty passes per game. Oh my! So Casemiro played as played, corresponding to two McTominays.
1: Yeah, that sounds about <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. So it was two McTominays. I am telling you, all of us we should be just, we should be ashamed of ourselves. All of us should take a football more seriously. So we could we could have made it. I'm telling you we could have made it because McTominay is a <laughs> bit full of Manchester United. You know what I'm saying? Then Martial, I, I am a bit worried with Martial because at the age he is, he looks like someone who his body's not going to allow him. He's like the the Derek Rose like the, the of football, basically. And <laughs> the basketball fans know that Derek Rose was made out of glass. Like any time you needed him, he was injured. He would do like two good things and be worried because you know he's injured. So I think that every time he's played under like Ten Hag, he's been fantastic. But I don't think his body's going to allow him to actually flourish. And I'm not going to lie to you, I think we need to sell him soon. He's not going to be able to cut it. His body in the Premier League is not going to be able to cut it. And regarding Anthony, it's early days. But every time you give that guy opportunity, he'll score. It's a fact. Give him an opportunity, he'll bang it in the back of the net. So, all like I can say about the United game was it was steady. That's the most I can say. Not much more analysis. The foundation
1: time. to build on, I think.
0: Yeah. 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 That's what I would say. So, Guys, we're gonna move on to Chelsea versus Wolverhampton Wanderers. I'll lie to you, it's kind of a boring game. You know, Stafford Bridge has always had a boring atmosphere. So oh, we'll talk about
3: Milan as well, to be fair, because that
1: was more interesting too. Yeah, yeah, let's talk about
0: Milan. Yeah, yeah you want to talk about, about
1: atmosphere, bad. the San Siro, Holy moly.
0: <laughs> so yeah, so guys, so what, what do we talk about? Milan or, or Chelsea versus Wolves? Which one?
2: We can touch on a bit of both because the things are yeah, a bit play. of both, yeah. But I think obviously what I want to start by saying is that um Potter's only been here for, I think, four games now. Mm. And the change in our play styles, I mean, like, now we have a, quite a distinct pattern of play, which is something that was frustrating me under, like, Tuchel's last couple of games. Like, yeah, couldn't recognise how we play. But now the way he sets us up is, like, in a build-up or, like, out of possession. You know, we play... So we played four-two-three-one, And then it's, like, when we were building up on the ball, we play, like, a three at the back. And it just works in terms of... When we have the ball, we switch to like a 3 4 3 3 5 2, and you see how it opens up the half space and allows our midfielders to move in as well. Um, the way we play now, which is so much more fluid, like you know, we're we'll seeing you're seeing us playing triangles, you're seeing our wingers actually drag players out of position, open up space between the center back and the fullback to allow the players to move in. i am just been so impressed of how much Potter's done in a short amount of time because. Now I actually I watch Chelsea and play and I smile before in the last couple of games with Tuchel As much as I love Tuchel, it was just like here we go again. Like I was enjoying it. How are we gonna score? Yeah. And the, the
1: last not- three games have been the best Chelsea have played in months. Months. Yeah. Like we literally haven't I think until we played Milan the first time and um won 3-0. Before that, we hadn't won a game by more than two goals since February.
0: Mm. so
1: it's just like it's it's so clear the the benefit that that potter has provided from coming in now i think it's still a little bit to be sort of questioned whether it's a part of a new manager bounce or whether it's going to become something a little bit more consistent um but i like what i'm seeing so far and i think we'll have a better idea about the level of consistency we can expect from potter at the end of the month because there's a lot of games
2: this month yeah as well, I think another thing that's, uh, that's really impressive to highlight is our record in those four games has come. Um, if I remember correctly, we've scored 10 goals and we haven't conceded at all. Yeah. So, to so have scored 10 goals in four games and not concede.
1: Oh, no, we, we let one in against Palace. Yeah.
2: Yeah, Palace, yeah, yeah. 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 Holding that yeah. Though. I think in that time, we've still scored 10 goals. But yeah, even so, whether it's new manager balance or not, like, that's pretty impressive because under Tuchel, we weren't scoring with this kind of volume at all
1: yeah and we were we were so so, we made Milan in like the the second leg is a little bit of a of a a doozy because of what happened with the Tamori sending off and things it totally changes the game but certainly in the first um, in the first leg in the first leg we made them look ordinary like I'm dressed in all black today for Milan's funeral because it was it, it was, (laughs) it was it was not pretty we made them look really ordinary and um yeah like there's like a general sort of more like a positive vibe now we've got back around the club, which is so valuable because, you know, for the longest time under Tuchel, yeah, like Denzel's right. Every time we would play for like the last six months, I'd be like, all right, let's go.
0: <laughs>
1: let's <laughs> watch the game. But now I, I'm finally looking forward to us playing again. and I think, you know, like with Tuchel going, you know, I guess it just, it was a case of he'd lost the dressing room and. His, his views didn't quite align with the with the new ownership and and that was that, but it seems it seems so far to have really paid off and and Graham Potter so far looks like an absolutely incredible uh, employment, you know it seems like he's saying all the right things, doing all the right things. and you know rising to the occasion, which I think a lot of people questioned whether he could, but it seems you know, you know two champions league games against champions of, uh, of Italy, Milan, and five goals scored, none, none let in.
2: you know what more could you ask for I think another thing to point out as well that I've really liked so far is both under Potter and even under like the last couple of games but mostly under Potter is how well Loftus-Cheek's playing now yeah played him in a couple positions this season we played him as a wing back an eight a ten shadow striker and he's he's dropped consistent like at least minimum sevens each time I think his worst performance so far is still like a six and a half he's been He's really shaping leadership. up into
1: a. He's shaping up into a really strong, like utility player for the squad. Yeah. You I'm know, not. especially filling in a wing back, which will be really important because you know, obviously, the only sort of downside of that AC Milan game was obviously East James going off limping off with it, it seems with an injury. From mm. what I've seen today, apparently, it doesn't quite seem as bad. He should be back again um, at latest for the United game. Yes. So, you know, with any luck, he'll be back by then because he's absolutely invaluable to the way our team plays. You know, I do worry about what happens if Rottweil after cheek has to play there for too long.
2: Mm.
3: You know what I like about Crane um, Potter is that he knows how to rotate your players really well because a lot of managers won't know how to manage, you know, their squad in this really congested schedule. And you know how we've got the World Cup coming in like six weeks or so. So like he's given all your players chances to show what they're made of. And I think that's a really good thing. Like Gallagher's got loads of chances and Gallagher's performed really well for you guys. Mason Mount looks like he's back to himself again. Yeah, he's a a new man. Yeah, for sure. Havertz seems to be doing a lot better than he would do on the Tuchel so far. And then the biggest surprise for me has been um, Kepa hasn't even looked as bad as he used to look on the Uh, Tuchel.
1: Kepa gets a bit of a weird rep, especially because he had statistically the worst goalkeeping season in the top five leagues under Lampard. But he's actually... Mm. Ever since, he's really grown and gained in confidence a lot. And he's, um, he's now a player who actually most Chelsea fans will say that they could rely on him.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's got to a point where he's just... Like Mendy's been on the bench for the last the three Roman years. The
1: remontada is, is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, them. Mendy's been riding like, back for about three weeks
3: now. Like basically, Kepa's your first choice right now, which is a bit strange. I didn't expect that, but...
2: <laughs> well, it's,
1: it's because there. Potter likes a, a, a ball-playing keeper and, and Kepa is a lot better with his feet than Mendy. Remains to be seen, I think, on the shot stopping front. I think Mendy's probably still the better shot stopper overall and maybe even the better goalkeeper overall. But I think having the, the goalie as an extra sort of passing lane, especially around in defence, is really valuable for Potter, the way Potter's teams are set up. So, mm-hmm. if, you know, if you're going to play Mendy there, it kind of limits the way Potter wants to
2: play. I think all, another thing we have to highlight as well is that this is all a culmination of essentially Burley's vision for the club. Mm-hmm. Because when he came in, a lot of people said, oh, you know, you've got American owners, like you're going to be relegated in like two or three seasons, you're going to be a mid-table club. But everything I've seen is promising so far, from our youth signings to things we've done behind the scenes, you know, as much as it hurt getting rid of Czech, but then now we're getting in Christoph, um, Christopher Vivell. And now today we've seen that we're going after Joe Shields, who was previously at Southampton and City. And the players that he brought in between those two clubs was at City, he found Jaden Sancho, at Southampton, he took Romeo.
3: He found Sancho. Good luck.
2: Yeah, from when um, <laughs> he he took Romeo Lavia with him to Southampton. Um, he he got um, Gavin Bazunu for Southampton as well. He's got an amazing guy for talent. So the fact that we're potentially going to get him as our director of recruitment and gas,
1: it's good as well because um, he's not the only one doing that job because we've got um, a guy called Kyle McCauley who oh, who guy. works under um, yeah works as part of like Potter's like backroom staff as well. Who's um, who's big on recruitment? And it's only good to have multiple of these kinds of people with their different approaches and things like that. You know, I, I think a lot of people were really playing on Chelsea's downfall earlier in the in the season, but you know, it seems we're eating good now and it's I don't know, salty tears. It's nice to taste. Awesome. I
3: want to ask you guys, yeah. Sorry, one more thing. I want to ask Kevin too. Who do you look so the way I see the table at the end of the season, I think is gonna be City first, Arsenal second, Spurs third. Who do you guys think is going to be fourth out of Chelsea, United and Liverpool?
2: I don't know. Spurs think finishing third.
3: Liverpool, I
0: think. Liverpool are out. Yeah, I, Liverpool I, will
2: be out. I can't, man. I honestly think it's going to be City first, Arsenal second, Chelsea third, Spurs fourth and Liverpool will finish fifth.
0: Chelsea third? Oh My goodness. Well, only
2: three points behind them,
0: bro. Nah, i got put respect on Spurs' name, man.
2: I think it's going to be
1: City first, Chelsea second, uh, Spurs third, Arsenal. Fourth. Chelsea
0: second, Ollie. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's mad. Yeah, whoa, slow down. Ah, man. Spurs uh, listen, I, I'm fully.
1: Like, listen, I, like, I'm. I'm here for it. Pe- Gray and Potter's Hogwarts blues. I'm. I'm. I'm up for it. They've cast a spell on me. I'm. I'm fully on
2: board. Potter's potheads, bro. Well, lie, that United
3: back. and
0: Chelsea game?
2: Chelsea in a few weeks. No, I don't. I don't think Liverpool's going to finish top four. I think nothing. No,
1: three. I don't. I don't think Liverpool will finish in the Champions League spots this know. season. I think it's that, that is. the way I'm I'm I see yeah,
3: it, that that Chelsea and United game
1: will be so so tight.
0: Yeah, it will be. It's going to be a good We're game. That, team that one. At United and Chelsea. Hmm. We're the better team at United than Chelsea.
1: We do. Chelsea, hundred like, percent.
0: I can agree with that. So because of that and how inconsistent United can be, I'll say Chelsea will probably finish fourth. But if United finish fourth. Best, Russ just hiding it. You're not going to hear the end of it. I'm going to let all of, you know, all of you know you let United with Eric Ten Hag's first season get Champions League football. Tottenham is not like that game can
3: go either way to be really honest with you. If you not if if, Rash- if Rashford and Anthony expose him on a counter-attack that's it. I, th- I
1: think it depends if we've got Reese James for it or not.
2: I'm talking about Reese James if Chaloba plays bro he's played 20 Chaloba? games yeah Chaloba has oh, he's, on, him, he's, he's rough, undefeated man. he's played 20 games and never lost
0: 28 <laughs> and 0 your best defender was, was Malang Sarr <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Sar would be your best defender he's somewhere <laughs> playing in Siberia right now Simon.
0: nevertheless mandem, I've been waiting for this segment so courtesy of Julian Lorenz on Twitter Kylian Mbappe, the man, the myth, mm. the legend, has told PSG, the club he manages, that he intends to leave in January. <laughs> he feels he has been betrayed by the club and by has... who? By himself. By, by what? Himself. <laughs> <laughs> he is the club. On his her words, <laughs> he feels he's been betrayed by the club and has has had enough. Guys, let's take this slowly. Before we can't crucify him at once. Let's take (laughs) it. What do What what do you man think about Mbappe's stance? You want to go first? I just don't
2: understand. I'll go go
3: first. On, I'll I'll I watch a bit of French league in it. Um. So I think the reason why Mbappe is not really happy is because I think one of the one of the broken promises we don't know what they are yet, but I think one of them was that Neymar would be sold because we saw little whispers like few weeks back, maybe, about, you know, how Mbappe wanted to be first-choice penalty taker, how he wanted, like, Neymar to leave, which, to be honest, we all know that's true. He wanted Neymar to leave so that he can occupy the, the left-wing spot, which is a bit peculiar. And so nowadays, in PSG's front three, it's been Neymar on, off the left, Mbappe striker, and Messi on the right wing. And to be honest, yeah, it's been going well for them. They've been playing well under Christophe Galtier. Um, but the thing is, as we all know, Mbappe has a massive ego. So I think a few weeks ago, they must, it was a game against Rhymes where they drew. And I think Mbappe must have put out some tweet where he put like pivot's gang, which is basically saying like, you know, pivot is basically like, you know, you have a striker that like he wants a target man striker that he can play off, basically. Like how for France, he found success with Benzema or Giroud of him he wanted that for PSG basically so basically he disagrees with the manager of, about playing as the center forward and his numbers have suffered to be fair like Neymar and Messi both have better numbers than him in terms of combined goals and assists so knowing his ego he's probably a bit unhappy with that because of he's used to being the best player at PSG but that's his
0: fault that's his fault looking at how selfishly he plays he's the mm-hmm. for league one I just checked. Right. Well, he's, he's tired of people, but he's top goal scorer. He doesn't pass the ball. I've seen it. Every zero time, assists. Zero assists. He do not pass the ball. So who's he going to blame? Yeah, That's know? the thing. Like, I don't get You've
3: got the perfect setup. You've got Messi supplying you. He's mm-hmm. um, in his best form in a while. Neymar, let's take, for example, Neymar. Ten league iron games. He's got eight goals and seven assists. That's ridiculous. Messi stats. Let's see. Messi A-Rimel. in nine games, five goals and seven assists highest rated player in the French League right now. What more could you want? I've said enough to be honest. You
1: might continue. The thing is with Mbappe is like, did anybody really not see this coming? Like, you got a player who was basically told like, ever since he was at like, what? Monaco. That he's Mm going to be the next big thing. Gets huge, huge wages. Gets to go to PSG. Goes to the World Cup. Scores in the final. Wins it for, (laughs) wins it for his country. Like, it's this huge move and this huge contract to PSG where he's basically Covent in Star charge of, of things. Like, like, yeah, cover Star Fever. Is anybody surprised by this? Like, <laughs> I mean, of course his no. ego is going to be through the net. He's I mean, literally won life before he's turned 25. Of I mean, course more, his ego is going to be big.
0: I think the reason I was surprised is because although those, all those things are lovely, it's still not even a quarter of what Ronaldo and Messi did. And yeah. first of all, a moment of silence for Messi's humility if I know if I was a Messi shoe, seven ballon doors, everything in world football, several hundred, I will slap Mbappe. Fire me. (laughs) (laughs) You have to take me out of the training pitch. How dare you? you when you were when you were sucking breasts, I was scoring Champions League goals. (laughs) <laughs> Messi,
1: Messi could not slap up Mbappe. He's like five foot three. Yeah,
0: sure, 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 sure. But I didn't I did say he would win. I just said I'll slap him. No, <laughs> <laughs> fo- nah, I hear it, the man. It the guy, that, that's, that's in the air. But I'll slap him still. You know what I mean? But all jokes aside, Mbappe needs to humble it. You know, let me, let me, let me, let me continue because I'm going to crucify him last. You might continue, sorry. I
2: think yeah, yeah. the problem here is, yeah, from... The way I see it is this. He won't have his cake and eat it. You look at it this way: in summer, everyone knew he was meant to go to Real Madrid. Then that deal suspiciously fell apart, and he had this crazy deal with, you know, worth hundred million euro, three hundred million euros a year, or whatever, and a hundred million euro signing bonus. Yeah. And then, literally, a couple months later, he's throwing his toys out the pram, saying he wants to leave. I just feel like he's a selfish player yeah. who, you know, he's not exactly what we thought he was in terms of like his attitude. But again. We'd really be surprised with everything that Oli said already. Like, he just, he's very money driven, in my opinion. He wants that move to Madrid while still having pocketed money that was given to him by that new deal from PSG. And as well, I feel like there's because when you have a player that's that young and that good, how do you control them? Because if you look at it this way, what's the matter is they, they can't bench him.
1: They need a, they need like a mentor almost, like a, you know, like almost like a a, a personal coach to, to take them through it. You know, a bit like how Mike Tyson had his his coach. Yeah. You know, like That's the reason he turned into the absolute killer that he was at 19. And after his coach passed away, he just went down like a path where it, it kind of all went wrong for him. And that's exactly the path Mbappe's going down now. The thing is, yeah, even though he hasn't got
3: a coach, he's got so many examples that are in the world of football that are telling him how to act. For example, Thierry Henry, I think, nowadays he does like some... Commentary for like being in sports I think with Michael Richards and that He was talking on that show About the whole Mbappe situation And he was saying, you know When he was at Barcelona He hated playing on, on the left wing Because he had to like, you know Step aside for Messi, Eto, All of these guys, in it. Even though he was like the best striker In the Premier League coming to Barcelona He played off the left Despite the fact he didn't like it He did it for the team Then I think there's another video Which I showed Kevin and Denzel before We started um, was Ronaldo when he first went to Real Madrid. I think he was asked, like, you know, what's your preferred position? And Ronaldo was like, and imagine someone as great as Ronaldo, who's much better than Mbappe was at this age. Ronaldo was like, I don't mind playing left, centre, right. I'll play wherever I'm told to play. You know, he just enjoys playing. So, That's you see? The
1: difference, isn't it?
3: Yeah, humility really counts for a lot. And Mbappe does not have that.
1: I think there's a difference as well in terms of like, and this might be slightly a damning thing to say about Mbappe, but I think the difference between something like him and Ronaldo and Messi is that Ronaldo and Messi had to literally, like, especially Ronaldo, had to fight and claw for absolutely everything he ever had. Yeah. And you could, you could say to a certain degree, especially with the situation Mbappe is in now, so young, he's kind of had everything handed to him. He's had opportunities and he's taken, to, he's taken them, but it seems like he's kind of had everything he's ever wanted sort of put in front of him. And, and as a result, maybe he's not quite got the right attitude to make it as an elite, as, an, as an, a truly sort of like GOAT status player, like we I all know, kind yeah, of yeah. expect him to be.
0: I completely, I completely agree. Let me throw you guys another curveball. So obviously PSG in itself is an entity that has had legendary players. So also we all know that Ronaldinho once played for PSG. However, do you think, let's, let's swap this around. Let's say Mbappe has started out at, at Real Madrid. I do not think Real Madrid would put up with this shit, especially with how Real Madrid handled Ronaldo and how they handled Casillas. I think PSG bent down for Mbappe. How you envision that between you and yourself? But he, they bent <laughs> down in front of Mbappe. And I think the reason we're for that was because he's such a large entity and he represents their future. Yeah, he's a crown of yeah. You know what I mean? well, are
3: rather- on the biggest club in France as well. You have, you have to remember that. They're on the biggest club in France.
0: And of course, Mbappe knows that, which only makes it worse. You know what I'm saying? Whereas, even, let's, let's even put United in there. United is not a big team right now. But I, United is an entity that existed before Mbappe, existed during Mbappe, and it will for damn sure exist after Mbappe. So I don't think United will put up with that. If he, if, you, if he made those requests to United, actually the Glazers are really bad. The Glazers probably would have given him that contract too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> bad, example. bad example. Let's say Ramadri. No, but I'm Adrian, say to, like, a at do you have like in Perez? Florentino Perez would have slapped him. <laughs> the physical assault wow. in that press conference would long day. Bad. Do you know what I mean? So PSG is just a team that actually bent to the whims of Mbappe. I even heard the president of France had time for Mbappe. Yeah, that's cool. him. Isn't isn't there a homeless rate in France? Why do you have time for football, my friend? Why do you have time for football? So
2: he was begging him back here to stay, you know.
0: Do you know what I'm saying? So it's just it's just a, it's a joke. And you know what I mean? So it's
1: just nobody who's there to tell him no.
0: Yeah, no one's there to tell him no, Basically. you're just babies. And when some
3: when for me better players like Neymar telling him no, that you know, I'm not gonna give up my position or I'm not gonna leave the club just because you say so then
0: you
1: see how he starts acting. Yeah. I think, I think he will leave, though. I think, I think Mbappe will leave. And, and the question is, obviously, then on everyone's lips, is where does he go? Because I think Real Madrid are now holding out for Holland. So you, 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 as a club, you kind of have to have more money than sense to mm. buy Mbappe, which kind of only leaves a few clubs available. And Shit. I actually think that it's going to result in maybe Ronaldo leaving and him going to Man United. That would, that's what I
2: think will happen. Or us because we have I think it's going to show Yeah, yeah. That, it
1: could be. It could be us statement signing that Bowley wants. But I think maybe he's. I think Bowley's going to be a bit more focused on the midfield next summer, and he's probably going to go for someone like Jude
0: Bellingham instead. Yeah. Let's have fun. With, let's have fun with this. If given opportunity to sign Mbappe today, with conditions similar but not the same as he has at PSG, would you take Mbappe? No yeah. chance. I wouldn't take him. He's no, mentality. Not,
1: not with what the power he's got with PSG at the but moment. Our no clubs.
0: Mm. clubs. So let's say even Arsenal Winning for him. Brother, I'm taking Mbappé tomorrow. I don't care what you can <laughs> say. You're gonna offer 40 <laughs> million, million just, and one pound and
2: deal you with know, the devil.
3: <laughs> man, you can run, you can get you could have the keys to Islington. I do not care. Oh <laughs> like, no, title. Look at this <laughs> guy. No, no, no. Wait, wait, wait. He has an ego. But it's we're talking about. No, yeah, no,
2: I, I am shameless. I don't care. Okay, you were, like, like, were cussing me earlier well, when I said I'd take him. Now you're here to <laughs> Of course. <laughs> okay.
3: you, know, you know how everybody was camping out for the Queen? When, when Mbappe signs, I'll go outside the Emirates. I'll be camping out. No one Emirates going for like Ronaldinho? Let's, ana- let's,
0: let's, let's okay. analyse this in the context of what you just said, right? Because it's need yeah. to, to say that. The team you have is young, hungry players. Keyword, yeah. hungry. Yeah, Gabriel Jesus, he's not that old. A, he's a good leader for that age as well. Do you yeah. Mbappe? Do not hustle or bustle. Mbappe will stand there with his hand on his shoulders, like you, man. Pass me the ball, bro. What's going on? You know what I'm saying? You will, you will destroy your whole dynamic.
2: Who do you drop to play Mbappe in the Arsenal team, though? That's not another question. You
0: know what I'm saying
1: that's
0: the thing. Anybody.
2: He picks
1: his position as long as it's not second position, it's fine. No,
0: okay, that's, what's what's
1: what what so, No, hang on. Who do you drop? You drop absolutely anybody because if we if it's with the with the stipulations of Mbappé's contract, you don't get to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will wash the toilets. If, if Mbappé wants to go Mbappe. in goal for Ramsdale, he can. Like, you know, like <laughs> that's that's just what's going to happen. That's, but that's the only reason. If, if he had a stipulation in his contract that's kind of the same as what he's got as PSG, where he's got these massive powers over the way the club can operate, like, there's absolutely no way you can take him because he'll just wreck your club from the inside out because he's not a businessman and he doesn't know how to run a club because it's a really hard thing to do and he's a really young guy. So, I don't know. To me, it just... I've, it, it Signing Mbappe with, the, with that kind of clause in his contract, it's just a recipe for disaster. That's the
3: issue, like He needs to
0: like just pattern his ego because it's way too much, honestly. How much did he even make per week, hypothetically? Stupid money. It's on stupid money, bro. Like, it's, I think he's the best player in the world right now. I know he's not expecting a pay rise. Oh, oh no, he doesn't. No, he do. like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: nah, he's what like, the inflation's one? really hitting me right now. Come on, guys. <laughs> Low-key, low key, yeah, if Mbappe comes to Chelsea, it whatever club it. in it,
0: I promise you, people can outside Stamford Bridge like he's the queen. No, but, man, then, the question is, how much does he make it per week? Because I'm getting a bit angry. How much? Oh, does he wait, make? It? it's on Sky. It's on Sky. It says yeah. the 23-year-old Frank international will make... One million
2: pounds a week. He's oh, on one I'm mil saying. a week. So
0: yeah, he's a high. This is on Sky News, bro. Not even Sky Sports News. Sky News. <laughs> that's how big that deal was. When the man was saying we should drug, I should have been drugging to make it to football. I'm telling you, one
1: million a week. <laughs> okay, <so laughs> you would... So you're saying you would still take him on a million a week, Karis? Would you still take on oh, a million a week? Costs more in wages than your entire squad combined. I will, I will, I will,
0: sell, I will sell myself for league titles, come. Only, <laughs> <laughs> I have to realize it's basically 2003 for this guy. You know, it's basically right 2003. <laughs>
2: you need to analyze this properly. If he's on a a week, you do realize you, you need to close your academy and women's team completely to afford him. <laughs> No, because
3: you're going to go don't, into administration. We, we, we won't moment. talk about that. Don't worry. We don't talk about
2: that. We don't talk about that. It's going to us all over again. But one a week. You're going into
0: administration by match week 10. No, that's mad. That's, that's, that, that's mad. for Bordy to sort out, isn't it? That's going to happen to you lot. So good luck. But okay, let, let me ask some more questions. Obviously, Neymar seems like a very easygoing guy. I struggle to see what their problem was. Who, ha, anyone who's really like understanding of the League One what is the problem with the way Neymar plays? And why would you want a player like Neymar gone? I can understand if you're playing for United and you want, I don't know, McTominay gone. Why do you want Neymar gone? They used to be boys, I swear. Like, how do they yeah. feel? I think it's an Mbappe, ego thing. Mbappe's
3: ego just got bigger. And at the same time, Neymar plays in Mbappe's position on, off the left.
0: But I thought and Mbappe know, Sorry? I thought Mbappe liked strike. No, Mbappe doesn't really like playing striker. He likes
3: to play off, off a target, man. Okay. That's why he played well with Giroud. That's why he's played well with Benzema. He likes to play off a target. So that's like,
1: why he wants someone like, like Neymar gone because he doesn't compliment the way he plays.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, precisely that. Like, the team is winning, but he doesn't like the fact
1: that his numbers have decreased by playing centrally. Jesus. How, how sport can you be? Nah, I don't like the way we're
2: winning. What are you on about? <laughs> I'm, I'm not getting straight tens on sofa score, so everyone's got a goal. Like, what's, what's peak as well
3: is that. We know that Mbappe is not good at penalties, but he still demands to take them ahead of Neymar, who's a good penalty taker. Hmm.
1: Yeah, of course he missed one. He uh, he missed uh, the one to get knocked out of the Euros, didn't he? Against was it Switzerland?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So had, you had how do you think?
1: You'd think something like that would humble him, but I don't know. I guess it never happened. But,
3: like he's got respect for Messi somewhat, but for Neymar he doesn't. I don't get why. Like and it's,
0: and it's scary to so say somewhat.
2: Word <laughs> the first yeah, yeah, yeah. player in the world after of Messi and Ronaldo, you don't respect him enough. You know what I mean. But uh, well, yeah, I, I think we still got time, so I think we should still discuss the feeder club topic. Yeah. All right. All so right, basically, cool. essentially, if you look at um, the topic quite interesting because now it's something that Chelsea wants to implement into like a multi club model as well. So in the past, we've had Vitesse Arnheim. We, they weren't necessarily a feeder club, but they were like our little training club in terms of we can send players on loan there. Um, feeder club model, some people don't like it. Some people see it as like, you know, it's kind of predatory on the other teams because like, they get a great talent and then they get shipped off to their big brother. But you see that model working at the moment with like RB Salzburg and RB Leipzig. Salzburg has produced a lot of talent recently and you know they get moved on to their bigger team leipzig and then obviously on another bigger team so do we think the feeder club model works you know does it benefit everybody involved both like the feeder team and the parent team or is it something that's kind of like to the detriment of one team only
3: Shall i, I to say it? to that sorry you go first
2: i i think it's it's a
1: really interesting concept It's the multi-club model because you're you you've got so many possible avenues and so many possible ways that you, it can be sort of like ethically or morally questionable. You've got you know like for for just one example is how do you how do you make deals between the clubs for example how, how you know how do you make sure that it's all fair and above board in terms of you know say if I don't know one one team has uh, like a you know, needs more uh, of its uh, transfer budget. And so they, they sign a player from the other team that's not, you know, that's not, uh, not very, sorry, rated very highly, but he doesn't buy them for much because they're effectively owned under the same umbrella club. You know, so you've got, you end up with this situation where one club is kind of, like you say, feeding off the others in almost like more of like a parasitic kind of way. And I don't know. It seems like something that the Court for Arbitration for Sport will eventually get involved with because I don't know. To, it seems like it's like it. It's really. It's like it's ethically questionable, but it's not illegal. At least not yet within the game of football. However, having said that, I'm going to take a, a note out of Karis's book here and say if that's what it takes to keep up with City, and you know if that's the way modern football is going, I'm here for it. If, if that's the way modern football has to go in order for Chelsea to win another Champions League or some league titles, then I guess that's what you have to do.
2: Uh, according to Wikipedia, I'm not sure how accurate this is, <clears throat> they've got a list of teams in England that have their own sort of feeder club set up. So apparently for Arsenal, I don't know if you've had any of these teams, Karis, but you've got three feeder clubs. Um, one called ASEC Mimosas.
3: That was years ago. I don't think we had them the Vanguard. I don't think
2: we had them anymore. Yeah, um, Colorado Rapids in America. Yeah, that's current. And Inverness City. I can
3: talk about that later, but yeah.
2: And Inverness City in Scotland. And then apparently for Chelsea, for us, apparently, obviously, like I mentioned, we still have Vitesse Arnheim. Um, yeah,
1: but it, it, there's nothing official there, I think. Yeah. It's, it's just a good relationship happened. between the clubs.
2: Yeah, I think these two are completely incorrect because it says PSV, Eindhoven and LA Galaxy. No chance for either of those. I don't no. think so.
3: Uh, Other than fun, it's been a long time.
2: And then you get to Man City and they basically have their, a separate section of their own because there's so many, which is mad. The
1: city group is big. Yeah, but, um, they've got like, what is it, like, Palmer and New York They've
2: got city Melbourne City FC, New York City FC, um, apparently Bangor City. Um, They've got... That doesn't make any sense. I don't see the links there. Sporting CP in Portugal. Don't know how that would be a the club. Doesn't make any sense. I don't
1: think that... I, I don't, that can't be right. Because oh. um, if they were under the same... Um, uh, if they were under the same group, only one of them would be able to play in the Champions League, I think. Yeah.
3: yeah. Um, what's, Magic, what's, I, you know, what's United's links then?
2: So yeah. United's links are is interesting. They've got quite a few as well. Um, they've got in Wales, Connor's Key Nomads FC... Mm-hmm. Um, Desportivo Brazil in Brazil, obviously. I don't know how accurate this one is, but FC Twenty in the Dutch league. Um, Fluminense Brazil again. Mangalud Star Topo Football Norway, and then Scotland. They've got Livingston FC, and then Wales. They've got another one called Newport County, and Royal Antwerp from the Belgian league. Um, Shelburne FC from the Irish league, Warsaw FC, and Western Province United in. But-
1: I think the question is, is like obviously these aren't teams that are actually under the uh, like the United or whatever club sort of like umbrella of teams, mm. you know. Like so, I think maybe feeder club in this sense probably just means that they have a good relationship and work quite well together, and so there's a more, yeah, more of a corridor for talent, right? But, yeah. but I think the issue comes is when you ethically, at least in terms of like sport sporting integrity, is when you've got multiple clubs who are effectively owned by the same people. Uh, and and how that interacts, like I was talking about earlier with the Champions League, or or you know transfer fees, or you know clever financial sort of shenanigans and things like that. I think there's a lot of, it has to be really really heavily regulated, yeah. For it to be for it to be something that actually you know like is allowed. Having said that, if if Chelsea are going to do it, I there's talks about Chelsea getting like um possibly a club in Portugal and possibly as well, a, um, a, a like literally buying a, a Brazilian club. Mm-hmm. I think there was, um, we were looking into buying Santos, but I think it wasn't ever going to happen. So we're looking into buying another one um, from the Brazilian league. And, you know, culminating that Brazilian talent, you know, that South American talent, uh, especially in like this kind of official capacity where effectively Chelsea kind of like curtail all of the, you know, like it'd be really hard for other teams to come in and poach that talent. You know, like, is that fair? I don't know. I think personally, this
3: whole feeder club thing, I think is good for a lot of football clubs involved personally. And the reason why I'd say that, I'll talk from an after perspective. For example, I think this summer we got Marquinhos from Santos. Mm-hmm. And basically, um, you know, it helps Santos because, you know, they get money for a good young product. We get a promising young player come to us that we can learn <laughs> for a few years and see how they do. And also, we're taking the player and his family out of a uh, type of situation in Brazil. Let's say because a lot of oh say like that. You really... don't
0: care about his family. You care about Premier League titles. Stop saying that. <laughs> <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> how about Let how his you correct. <laughs> <laughs> correct. That's to the, the thing.
1: Yeah, well, you save his family, but you know, like, don't save him if he doesn't score like thirty goals.
0: Yeah, send
2: him back. There.
0: <laughs> 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 but yeah, so. Um, my take on the feeder thing is... Let me give you the example which actually um, reminded me of the, the topic. So, Cesco was a player that United and Chelsea were very much interested in this summer. Yeah. And I think we'll give evaluations of, correct me if I'm wrong, 50 million, 60 million? Some yeah. Plan, yeah, something well. that. Yeah. And for Leipzig to then get this player for around the range of like 20 million, if I'm not mistaken, 25 million. Yeah, Where, that, where did that money go? Why is it now that your brothers now wants to, wants to get involved? He gets it for twenty five, but we have to pay sixty.
1: That's I, what I, that's what I was talking about in terms of like yeah. the transfer fees. Like I'm not sure how how it can be done ethically in terms of like ensuring like a fair playing field for all. You know, as fair as it can be when you've got multi billionaire owners and stuff. But you know, like how you can possibly have that situation where you you sell a player, say, to your feeder club for for pennies. You know to take him off the wage bill for a season or something, you know, like somebody who's not playing well or whatever, like there are so many ways it can be abused. And that's, that's my only concern. so as long as it's be sort of like heavily regulated by the court of arbitration for sport or whatever, I have no issues. But as you, as you all well know, like people like city and Red Bull and, and then they've got really, really good lawyers. and you know so any issue would be tied up in the courts for years like anything like any legal questions are going to be so overrun by lawyers especially on city side i don't know if you guys have ever seen that clip where like it's all of city's lawyers walking at once there's like (laughs) 50 of them like uh you know so you just you do worry about what it could actually mean for like the sporting sort of integrity of the of the league you know
2: i think with relation to what kevin said about um benjamin shesko I think it's a case of, well, obviously he was at Salzburg and then moved to Leipzig for like 20 million or 25 million euros or whatever. But I think it's a tricky one in terms of the pricing issue because when you look at clubs in England, want to buy a player that's outside of Leicester, like in Europe or whatever, there's a massive markup. Once There's always massive markup. If you look at, for example, um, Man United buying Anthony for like 100 million euros, I don't think... He would have costed that much if, say
1: he went to like Juventus. Like, right, yeah, or yeah. Bayern Munich or whatever.
2: They would not have paid hundred million euros. They would have probably just said, you know what, we'll come back to him when his contract's about to run out. But once English clubs get involved, they add a like an extra 20, 30 million euros on. Whereas
1: And the problem is they do it to each other as well, the Premier League, the Premier League games. Like Chelsea were interested in Anthony Gordon for what point for at one point, And he was valued at 60 million pounds. 60 yeah. million yeah. pounds. Anthony Gordon. That's so, so much. I think the principle- like, I know that's kind of like the going rate for a player these days. You thought 50, 60 million. <laughs> it's kind of what sort of 30 odd million was about five, six, seven years ago. But that just seems ridiculous to me.
0: I think the principles are slightly different though. I think they applied those enhanced rates due to the how money and revenue they knew that an English club is more likely to make than a Juventus, for example. However, I think where the problem I I specifically have in that situation is because Leipzig will get an advantage over United and it's not as easy to say oh you're United and they're Leipzig Leipzig are a very good team and United struggle every single game so us looking at these players we struggle to get these players expecting us to spend 6 million and then Cesc will go we will play you both for 20 million We then go and score a hat-trick and dunk on Lissandra Martinez that's why it frustrates me because they all this money <laughs> it's not saying? hard to
1: dunk on Lissandro Martinez, to be honest.
0: <laughs> <laughs> quite sure. My, but, uh, don't get me wrong; he's my defender, but I, I just got to plug that in there.
3: Yeah, let yeah. say I
0: think another example of a feeder club, which I'm
3: surprised we haven't like mentioned, is basically Watford, Granada, and mm-hmm. Udinese are all owned by the same family. They're owned by the Posa family from Italy. So I think the father owns Udinese, and the son owns Watford. And this is one example of the Feeder Club thing working well. Because an example of a player, Delefeu, he played for Watford for quite a few seasons in the Premier League. They got relegated at some point. He's gone to Udinese and he's been their best player since. And Udinese are now in a title race. They're only three points off the top of the table right now, as we speak, to um, Napoli. And Delefeu himself, he's been putting up amazing numbers for them. He's got um, nine games, one goal and six assists.
0: Mm.
1: But there, there was also, and and this is kind of going back to what I was saying. I'm pretty sure between Udinese and Watford specifically, there's um there was a really dodgy transfer this summer, and that's what I mean about sort of cooking the books financially. Is there is? Oh, I see. Yeah. I think it might have been Sissoko, possibly. I can't remember, um, or Casabale or something like that. Where he, uh, one of them, went to um went to Udinese for far below market price, and uh, you, you just and like you say, like how do you regulate for that? you know? That's true. Yeah.
2: There's got to be some kind of, <clears throat> some kind of rule where it's like, if there's an exchange between two clubs or where one club is to feed a club of the other, then the transfer value can't be like, I don't know, it can't be lower than like 50% of whatever the player's market value is for other clubs.
1: Even that might be a little bit too low. You know, mm-hmm. it, might, it might have to be like 75%, 80%, you know, because because yeah. otherwise you're, you're going to, you know, <clears throat> imagine if, Okay, so imagine if for for just for an example, Chelsea buy a club, um, a Brazilian club, and out of nowhere, there's this young young kid, young talent who's clearly going to be the best in the world, right? And they're they're, you know, like something like we've never seen before, like from a Brazilian club, and people are talking like hundred odd million, right, million pounds. And now, what happens if because Chelsea own that club, they buy him for forty million? Yeah, can, you can see how that becomes a bit of an issue then, because you know, like you could argue, well, is it is it kind of brought up in the cost that you actually have to pay in order to keep that other club going? Maybe, but it does seem like it's rife for abuse.
2: Mm-hmm. No, definitely, it will happen. It's already happened. Like we've talked about the ses- the deal already. Like, there's just no way of it being fair for anybody else that doesn't have their own feeder club or wants to do business with this feeder club, but then. The parent club gets first dibs. It's just, there's too many things that can be circumvented there in terms of... Having like... you said that, for a league title, I'd do it tomorrow. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> There'd be no epics in this episode today. Yeah. Quick, quick, uh, quick note, um, Erling Haaland rejected Leipzig before he made his move to Dortmund. So if Haaland had gone to Leipzig, I'm sure they'd have paid pennies for it. And you've been banging goals in the Bundesliga. So, like you said, it's it's not right with me. I don't think it's right at all.
1: Yeah. I think at some point, like you can talk about like the, the, what the player wants to do as well, you know, in that kind of situation. But, you know, as well as like, you know, if you've got a, a player who's already within a managerial, like in the managerial setup of like an umbrella club, you know, you, you're thinking about as well, like where they're going to be more comfortable. They're probably going to go with what they know, you know, like it's especially for young players who are quite impressionable, you know oh, you know, stick with stick with Red Bull because, you know, this is what you know. And I don't know. may it takes someone more a bit like Holland, who's just absolutely, you know, like robotic to to reject that.
3: I'm going to ask, do yeah. you guys think there should be maybe like a restriction
1: on the sort of
3: club you can have like feeder links with? So, say for example, Arsenal and Colorado Rapids, I assume no one would have a problem with. But do you think it will be better if like, let's say teams like Arsenal United, Chelsea, we had links with let's say a grassroots football team do you think that maybe it could be used as a force for good like, you know helping renovate the grassroots game and you know put it could be but it? there's
1: also the issue with there being like a drain on the talent necessarily of the lower league and that kind of does happen already to a certain degree anyway it just would kind of formalize it you know if you've got all the best clubs who constantly have these like this network of feeder clubs that maybe going around in the in the lower leagues and say like the national conference or whatever then, you know, those 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 teams themselves who actually do have a certain appeal to their own fans as well, you know, it's all well and good. Oh, you know, they've bought so-and-so from us for 250 grand or something like that. But, you know, what happens if in two years actually that player's worth a million? That's life-changing money for that club, you know? So, it, I don't know. There is, no, there is no actual answer to this debate, unfortunately. I wish I had the right call, but...
2: Yeah. I think the way I'd see it working in a somewhat fair way is... I don't think any club should be allowed to own another club in another country's top division. Mm. I feel like I
1: would would even go as far to say it's got to be like the, the first like two or three divisions because, you know, like what happens if you know, it's a bit like Watford and Udinese. What happens if you've got like Udinese in the in Serie A, then Watford get promoted into the Premier
2: League? Yeah, it just doesn't seem fair. (laughs) I feel like they need to be, there needs to be a restriction on where that um, second clubs maybe it's about
1: European competition maybe it's about like or like whatever competition you're in maybe it's like you know you shouldn't be able to have a feeder club that exists within the top five leagues that all contribute into the Champions League or the Europa League like if you're a European team so you know if you're looking for talent or looking for a feeder club it's got to be from South America Asia you know the US like maybe that's the better way to do it Africa you know yeah um,
3: I think this is a good discussion. I think this is a good way to close out. I guess. Um, yeah, So thank you again, Oli, for joining us. It's been a wonderful podcast episode having you on. And as usual, Kevin and Denzel, you've all made this a really good episode. So yeah, make sure to follow us on at the B T B Pod. I believe that's correct on Twitter. Um, make sure to rate the podcast on Spotify, and yeah just you know keep giving us your thoughts on the podcast sharing it liking it whatever and yeah we appreciate all the support and love and i think it's a good way to close out so it's a goodbye from us until next time